Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, James. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. Uh, today's episode is uh, our sixth episode of Answering Anonymous Questions. Um, so we chose only one question, James. A lot of times we'll wait till we have two or three to launch the episode. This question was so good. Um, it deserved its own Q&A episode. Yeah, so the, the, the two-second version as we get into it, um, it's a young man um, came home early from his LDS mission, struggles with anxiety and depression, something, James, you're familiar with, and um, he, uh, you know, part of your story, too, um, and he's really struggling with resentment towards his parents, uh, friends, uh, church members, right? Pe- people in all these communities who kind of should be there to support him and have it, and he's, he's, resentment's getting in the way of his recovery, and I mean, that's, that covers it. That covers it. I mean, this is a resentment is a big topic though. And there's a lot to unpack when it comes to resentment. So we're going to dive into that. And yeah. And, and although everyone's situation is different, you know, in this episode, we talk specifically about like in the context of his situation, but it really applies to all of us. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, as, as we looked at his questions, stuff, I'm like, I'm married. He and I are in completely different life situations, but struggling with all the same stuff he is in theme and i've had resentment not only in the areas that the that the anonymous the anonymous question asker talks about but also in some various other areas yeah yeah and and so uh in in this episode we had um christy join us your wife joined us um who was uh just uh, she's like becoming a regular, which is a good yeah. thing, right? I mean, she brings a great perspective, but thought that would just be good. So it's a different perspective. We chose her, right? The gender difference, right? She didn't, hasn't necessarily struggled with depression or anything. And also she's not an addict, right? So there's also kind of that layer. And some of the thoughts she shared were just great. You know, and one thing that we didn't bring up is that one, when you're feeling resentment, that's usually a red flag that a boundary has been crossed. We're going to put that in the resources, a book about boundaries. So what's the name of the book? It's called Boundaries by Townsend. And yeah, we'll, it, we'll be there. We'll put it on there. Okay. That's, we're, we're close enough. And in fact, I think we've already put it on as a resource on another post already. Perfect. Yeah. So, so right. by two Perfect. witnesses, if you're into that yeah. thing, right? Yeah. So, so that's the deal. But no, so this is a great one. Um, we hope that you enjoy it. And uh, with that, we'll, we'll go into the studio with Christy. So here in the studio today, James and I are here with Christy. You're kind of becoming a third host, Christy. A little I know, bit of I kind a regular. Of love it. Thanks for the invite. Of course, any any time. Um, James, crushing it today, wearing flip flops, enjoying the heat. Yep. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so I, I have to be honest, at least for me, um, I love these anonymous questions because just the courage it takes to put it out there that way is awesome. So I want to start to our anonymous question submitter. You are awesome. And I want to say your question is so relevant and poignant that um, when we, when we send it around, we were like this in and of itself needs to be a single episode. So you're awesome. Thanks for sharing your courage. 
He just loves it. I, just, I would give you a hug if you were here. You're the man. Should we read it? Should we start off reading the letter? Let's do it. Okay. Hi, Steve. I came across your podcast on Spotify recently and binge listened to all your episodes. Dude, thank you. And I'm sorry the audio's bad. Um, we have Jason, our audio guy here for the first episode. We should probably mention that. Yeah, shout out to Jason. Get, shout out to Jason changing the freaking yeah. game. And it's going to get better from here. Yes. Letter continued. <clears throat> I love them so much, and I appreciate the mission you're seeking to accomplish through this forum by helping people feel unashamed about addiction recovery and unafraid to let Christ take the pain for us. I am a single 20-year-old man living in Utah, and I have struggled with porn addiction since I was 10 years old. When I was 17, I went through rigorous recovery efforts so I could be worthy uh, to be an LDS missionary and succeeded. I left to the mission field in 2018, but had to return home early after two months because of the severe anxiety and depression I had not fully healed from in my addiction recovery efforts. It absolutely crushed me to come home early, and many of my friends didn't know how to help me during this difficult time. My loneliness hit an all-time high, and my depression became even more extreme during the next six months of being home. Consequently, I've fallen heavily back into porn addiction, and I am going through addiction recovery again. It feels like a whole new ball game compared to when I last went through rigorous addiction recovery efforts. A big driving factor I have found for my addiction is... Resent- just what a good heart, this guy. Sorry, I just have to interrupt. I mean, just to come home early from a mission yeah. and how di- we're going to talk all about that, but then just to, to still be like, I'm taking, I, I want to change my life. Right. Just right. Just, oh, sorry. Keep going. Right. This dude's off. Awesome. Right. He, awesome. he, I get it. He finds himself home. He's trapped in this cycle yet again. And he's like, no, I'm going to kick this thing's butt and I'm going to go back into recovery and do this again. I'm going to win. I love it. Uh, so anyway, let's get back to the letter. He says, um, a big driving factor I have, um, I have for my addiction is resentment towards everyone around me, for the mistakes my parents made raising me, for my friends who have left me behind and hanging out to dry, and to almost anyone around me who doesn't notice how lonely and depressed I am, despite them professing to be followers of Christ and pledging to help all those in need. Struggling with porn addiction, along with anxiety and depression, is an incredibly lonely path, and I easily get resentful toward those around me who don't recognize how to help me. My question is, how can I let go of that resentment? My biggest fear about being honest and completely open about my addiction recovery is that I risk getting hurt more by people around me, thus giving me even more reason to have resentment toward those around me. But this resentment is really holding me back in my recovery, and I want to heal. What would you suggest to someone in my situation? Just so big, right? Um, I, I mean, I think resentment is a little bit different for everyone, right? Um, I personally have never super struggled with depression. James, you have. Yeah. Right. So. Anxiety and depression are things I've dealt with. More depression. Anxiety is a little bit newer for me. Uh, but they are on the same spectrum. So, yes, I understand um, some of these resentments that he's talking yeah. about here. And 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 for me, I can, because I was super pissed at my parents when I first started recovery. Because so the parents who raised me and the parents I have now are really different people. My parents have done a ton, ton, ton to change. They did the best they could. 
I've gone to a real good placement. We can talk about that piece. But I just remember being like, come on. Like, cause I, I think I can relate to this guy in that he seems generally just like a great guy, a good person, but he has all this stuff going on. And that was me. I was never like, Oh, I can eat my cake and eat it too. I can get away with addiction. Ha ha ha. That was never me. I was like, I'm a good person. I don't want this in my life. So like, I get that part where he's coming from. Right. So, I mean, there's just, just the layers here, but when people, when I talk to people and they say, Oh, this is my story. I always put them to the story that I think is most relatable. Like if they ask me, I should listen to your podcast. I would send him to listen to the, to James and Christie's story just with the depression theme and, and some of that stuff. And so, I mean, initially I'm going to turn this over to you two and just say, you know, he wants the resentment out. We were, you know, where do we start? Where do you start with resentment? Um, well, so I want to address, I guess I want to, what I want to do is take some of the things that he talks about in the letter and just kind of hit it. Um, as, yeah, as, yeah. as he, as he comes across these things and I just want to kind of take it from the beginning and work our way through this, uh, question that he addresses. Um, so I love that, um, after he, so he, he goes on the mission and he comes home early and he recognizes that the reason he had to come home was because he had some anxiety and depression issues that were unaddressed prior to him going out there. Um, this is huge. You know, he's not blaming it necessarily on just the porn made it so that I couldn't go or because I was um, super unworthy and so I couldn't serve. It sounds to me like he's like, I got out there and this didn't fix any of the depression or anxiety that I brought into the field with me. I got worthy through my, you know, getting rid of the porn, but some of those underlying issues that may have been driving me to porn in the first place, those never got addressed. Um, And on that one, um, you should go, our anonymous question asker, you should go Leading Saints. He did a episode with a guy named Rob Farrell, Dr. Rob Farrell. And I think the episode is called, and we'll put it on the blog so you can just go there and find it. But it's called, um, like, I'm a young single adult advocate. And he kind of goes through a story of a kid who comes home from his mission. So, because I just want to address the res- like where the resentment comes in. I am sure that there are people in your life from your friends abandoning you, church leaders possibly family who have not handled this well and and they are like in the wrong if i can use those words like the way that they handled you coming home early probably was not the way that it should be handled from a parent's perspective we don't have enough detail here but a parent's perspective a friend's perspective or just general ward members general ward members leaders whatever peer group maybe if he goes over to the singles ward now and he's hearing from guys or gals over there. Oh, this guy came home earlier. They're not sensitive to any of that. Yeah. So do I think there's people that are shaming you culturally because you came home early? Yes. I have no doubt that that is going on in your life. And I can see why you'd ever resentment about that. Yeah. I mean, he, and he talks about how many of his friends didn't know how to help me during this difficult time. And that's a, you know, um, that's just the whole point. They didn't know how. And so, um, Speaking of resentment, yeah. So, Christy, why don't you talk about this a little bit? Well, I think it's important to acknowledge that, especially with your younger friends, there might have been a lack of life experience that 
created compassion in their hearts. And, and if they don't know, this, this may be the first time that they're encountering someone who has returned home early, or it may be the first time they're encountering someone that has anxiety and depression on this level, and they don't know what to do. And when they don't know what to do, it's safest to do nothing. And it sounds like that may have been what happened here, and they just kind of left you alone to figure it out and hope they meant no harm, possibly, but it left you feeling alone and like they weren't your true friends. So maybe more a lack of their capacity than desire to love him. Right. Right. They can't give him something they don't have. Right. Or, or something that they don't understand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Oh yeah. And, and I would say that doesn't change. I mean, we're older, so we can be like, neener, neener, you're young and immature. But, but the truth is that doesn't change. Right. I mean, I, I have adult relationships, um, even relationships with family members, right. That I'm like, there's certain things I'm not going to get from this relationship because you just don't have an understanding or capacity in, in this, in this specific topic or lens or whatever. Of where I'm coming so, from. So yeah. I guess I just say that because this is true to his specific situation, but it's also true for all of us and it will be true. It's going to be true for his entire life. It's true in this context now. It's going to be true when he's 30 and when right. he's 40 and when he gets oh, married absolutely. and has in-laws and when he serves in his ward later when he goes to the singles ward right. a, a week so from now. So that's why it's in, it's so important to figure out how to deal with resentment uh, um, towards people when they don't act in ways that we hope that they would. So it's great that he's asking yeah. how to do this. So. Yeah, and, and jumping back into this letter, so he experiences, you know, this kind of, um, hey, people don't know how to deal with this. Um, there's some people that aren't, um, and clearly aren't dealing with it. Either they're shaming me or they're ignoring me because, one, they don't know how or they feel awkward about it or whatever. So um, his pattern, it looks like, as he moves into my loneliness hit an all-time high. So he kind of isolates because he doesn't know how at this point to receive any of their help. And, and they don't they know, how, don't to know how to give it. Well, and you've said before, James, when, when, we're, when we're going to pornography, right, or any sexual compulsive behavior, we're really looking for God, right? We're really looking for connection. Right. Um, and I think of the analogy I like to use it's like, you know, when you've come home and there's nothing to eat, there's that bag of chips that's some weird flavor that no one would ever want. You're like, jalapeno dill raspberry. That's a good Lay's chip. And you eat one and you're like, this is awful. But like you're stirring around the kitchen and there's nothing else to eat. So you just kind of keep eating them because you're like, I'm hungry. And the, we've all done that, right? We're like, why am I eating this? And you're like, because I'm hungry and there's nothing else. I mean, that's kind of how it is, right? It's, it's, that's why, it, it, I mean, he may already know this, but the the addiction is a symptom right. of this lack of connection right and this lack of real the loneliness and and i i had one you know my sister asked me that once like why are you doing all these bad things when you know all these good things i'm like cuz i don't really believe or know those things i believe i'm alone and i believe i'm helpless yeah. and you get desperate enough right you'll do anything to try and fill that void yeah. And so to me, you know, when he talks about coming home and experiencing this and then how his loneliness and depression hit this all time high in his life, it doesn't surprise me at all that the pornography then came back. Totally. It, it, with a raging storm. Um, 100%. Because uh, the porn came back because of the depression and the loneliness. 100%. Not, being, not knowing how to cope with that, how to deal with that. 
um, the, you know, the question asker doesn't. And it sounds like the people in his life don't really know how to help him well, either throughout all that. And a self-compassion moment. I mean, who wouldn't? Right. If I were him, I'd be looking at the porn too. And guess what? So would everyone else. I mean, come on that. It's so lonely and that's so hard, right? And so, I mean, I just want our anonymous question asker to know you need to have some self-compassion. It's not that you just didn't try hard enough or that you're evil or you're under, I mean, the tidal wave of all of this stuff. Jeez. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So should we get into the nuts and bolts of how to let go of resentment or what resentment is? Yeah. I mean, I guess if you really want to answer this question directly, fine. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we'll go there. I guess. Um, So what have you found helpful? Well, um, resentment. um, So, I mean, I have recently, not super recently, but quite recently, maybe within a few years, um, you know, as part of my recovery process, I, I had a, I lost my job, um, due to some circumstances that were not entirely my fault. And, um, I placed a lot of resentment toward those people, uh, one in particular who helped me out the door when if he, so I, I had, I hit a depression, um, in my, in my life, like I'd never experienced before in my life. And, and I knew that it would, if I just had some time that I could get back and and engage at work. And I had a lot of resentment that this individual who died, who I trained and mentored hired as, as as I saw pushed me out the door, got me pushed out the door. And that created a ton of resentment for me. You know, that loss of income, the loss of security, the, um, the loss of friendships and, you know, that, that came with that. And that was a heavy weight for a couple of years that I carried with me. Um, and it was, it was a, I learned a lot through the experience. Um, I learned that, um, you know, when Jesus said, forgive somebody 70 times seven, I get what that means now. And that you may literally have to practice forgiving that person 70 times seven every day. As the resentment hits, you have to forgive again. Then the next day you wake up, it hits again, you forgive again. And then four hours later, you forgive again. Then two minutes later, you forgive again. It's that consistent I get that bombardment that resentment creates. And I was so full of just anger. Um, the, re- the residual effect of the resentment, even after I felt like I had finally let go of that person, there was still this uh, just deep, persistent anger that was left over as well that carried over with the resentment. Um, <clears throat> so as far as some... Well, but it's a spectrum, right? I mean, I think a key to pull out of what you just said was resentment's not a thing. Like, I have it and now I don't. Right. Like, that's like faith. It's not like you either have faith or you don't have faith, right? Yeah. It's like there's a spectrum there. And so I think the point is, is like to start allowing God in to start like healing this resentment, slowing it down. Because obviously the resentment that he expressed in this letter towards certain his parents, right? His friends, yeah, his, kind of his church community in general. Uh-huh. Um, 
when he lets go of those, you know, th- there's going to be more resentment, you know, he's going to let go of these. He's going to move forward, move through recovery, and then he's going to get married. And then he's going to end up being all like resentful towards his wife at some point in time yeah. or in his new church congregation yeah. or where. And so it's, it's about, you know what I mean? Cause, cause I just don't, I just don't want anyone to take away from this. That resentment is something that I can just flip that light switch and oh, I just yeah. don't it's, have any. It's right? not a, it's not no, a one and not done. Not a one and done. It's, it's a long process that takes and time. Over and like James was saying earlier, just it's over and over. It's, um, because those triggers will come. Yeah. Those things will happen in everyday life where, you know, you'll revisit the past and say, man, if my, if my parents had just put more controls on my phone, you know, and that's fine. That's the mind trying to process it. But then you go, but they, they didn't know, you know, and you just have to keep repeating those, um, well, so, so a, a go ahead. Okay, I'll, let me just jump in. A resource that helped me in the process. I actually read Viktor Frankl's book, "Man's Search for Meaning." Um, that started to shift my mindset a little bit in the way that I could approach um, just myself, my thought patterns, yep. um, the way that I viewed other people, yep. and the influence or power that I let them have over me, um, and how. Yeah. By allowing, basically, I was allowing this person and a couple of people to really have a lot of power over me. Right. Which then created additional resentment. Whereas over time, as I started to, I mean, this was just a piece of the puzzle, but yeah. there's, there's so many pieces of that. There's uh, another big piece of actually having some self compassion. See, I had that, to let go. Yeah. Why don't you jump into that? Because you talked about that before the, sh- the, the show. Yeah. I So I think that, so uh, my individual therapist, Todd, right, has expressed it, that it hurt, it mattered, right? And that's a big part. Because I think with resentment, it's like, let it go, get over it, move on. It's only hurting you, right? And it's like, kind of yes to all that. But a lot of that goes by, by like not acknowledging what happened. Right. And so I, I like to use the terms ripped off. Like I got ripped off in my childhood. It hurt and it mattered. I was neglected. I was not taught healthy sexuality. There was sexual trauma everywhere around me. I'm freaking eight and 12 and 14. That is not my fault. And I freaking got ripped off. It mattered. It hurt. That's true. But the other part that I've realized is I am never going to get validation from going back to my parents, to my, I had a couple of young men's leaders that were the worst. And I remember I ran into him once and he's now in a larger leadership calling and I'm bugged. If I had to sustain that guy, I'd have a problem. And, um, what I, what I realized, I mean, it's kind of the whole thing with, you know, the unashamed and afraid and Lecrae says it in his book, right? He says, if you live for their acceptance, you'll die by their rejection. And so I think the first step is if you want your friends who have abandoned you to go back to our guy here, your friends who have abandoned you or your parents or your church community in general, to acknowledge that it mattered and it hurt and they're sorry, you're going to be waiting a long time. You may end up getting some of that at some point in time. I have gotten some of that from my parents where my dad is openly acknowledged or my mom like totally we're not there for you. 
right? But at the end of the day, the only person who can fill that gap for you, and I think everything we're mm-hmm. about to talk about that Christy's going to jump into, James and jump into, is God. And that's that's a real hard shift, I think, to let go. To say, I'm not going to try and get that validation from them. Hey, hey, parents, hey, friends who abandoned me, it matters. You're never going to get it from them. Because even if they tell it to you, it's not going to fill the bucket still. There is a God hole in that place. Yeah. Excellent. So, one of the things that I think is really important might, as a first step, might be to take a piece of paper and write down what hurt and who hurt you. And how it affects you now, how it affected you at the time, and just take an honest inventory of all that went down so that you have a written record of what exactly you're dealing with. Um, Anything to add on that? I should do that. (laughs) (laughs) As Christy shares that, I'm like, wow, I think I still have a little resentment list I need to write. So an exercise I will be engaging in. Thank you, Christy. Writing (laughs) writing stuff down is super powerful and it gives you a place to come back to in the future and you can see that maybe there has been some progress made Um, or maybe there's someone that you need to add to the list or take off the list. And I think share that list with someone. A safe Person, a safe person. Very safe person. Yeah. So, so don't write down the list, dear friends. You abandoned me, and that's super hurt. I'm resentful. Don't call those friends up and go, "Hey, you know what I'm doing." I mean, that it's a uh, Jason here. Harder guys is like that's one of the twelve steps, right? Step eight, right, is is writing those things down and putting. And so, I think sharing the exercise you're talking about with someone um, is important. So it's yeah. seen, yeah. it's acknowledged, and 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 still, it's all about turning it to God. Though, let that person help you turn it to God, right? Yeah, always, always take it to Him. So, along with writing down how you were hurt and who you were hurt by, you then take an honest self inventory of what ways you may have contributed to the situation. Now, not saying at all that it was your fault. And always going back to this hurt, this matters, and it was wrong. But in some way, I've, all, I've personally always found in my recovery and therapy journey that there were ways, even if I didn't want to acknowledge it at first, there were always ways that I contributed to the problem and things that I personally could have done better. And I think that's important to acknowledge so that we're dealing with the truth. Well, and the only person who changes you. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately. Going forward, right? Because the past isn't going to change. Yes. This is an exercise to help going forward. Speaking of the past, um, I, my mom sent me this great quote this morning. She said, forgiveness. Yeah, thanks, mom. Yep. Thanks, mom. She says, uh, forgiveness is to abandon all hope of a better past. Ooh, say it again. Okay. Forgiveness is to abandon all hope of a better past. Wow. That's profound. And... So, and I, speaking of the, so I want to kind of move on to another thing we were talking about before the show, um, we, uh, to this reader, um, I would guess that if, you know, you're talking about resentment being the kind of a big hurdle for you right now in your recovery, um, I noticed for me, some of the things that, um, where I came into, where I stumbled in recovery, those were generally things uh, the things where I struggled with other people, that those were actually things that I 
even struggled even maybe more deeply within myself. Um, so, so for you to be saying that you're holding a lot of resentment toward a lot of the people around you, my guess is that you're holding a lot of resentment towards yourself right now. And the first place, you know, you, you ask the question, how can I let go of that resentment toward those other people? Bring Christ in and help him let go of your resentment towards yourself. Um, if you're like me and many other addicts I know, you probably don't have a lot of self-compassion right now. You probably have a pretty good sense of, deep sense of self-loathing, self-contempt. You're angry at yourself. Um, and Because he failed. Yeah. I'm using quotation marks that you can the, see the through this quotes, audio. Yeah. The air quotes. Culturally, he has failed. He's supposed to check certain boxes and prop up and be this certain person. And right. that's not it. He should just try harder and never have to look at porn again. He should serve a mission, be his own leader, yeah. baptize 20 people when the mission average is 10, come home, be married in the temple, and she better be good looking, a great homemaker, super spiritual, right? I mean, there's all these boxes for him to jump in. That are, yeah, read, yeah, and read more and do all the things, and that's supposed to heal me. That's supposed to make me all better. And it doesn't. We have to bring Christ into these deep, dark, scary places with us and we have to examine our own skeletons in our own closets the things that we're afraid of um examine your own deep shame and um why does that make you feel so ashamed and then again voice that give it words write it down speak it to somebody and as you do that, you will shine the light on it and bring the truth to it, and Christ can heal it. You can invite Christ into that place and that space, no matter how small you might think it is. Um, I mean, I was I was practicing this with my therapist just this two weeks ago. Uh, I still have noticed that I will I have contempt for my kind of eight to ten year old self. And I had to go back and re-practice some of that self-compassion toward that little boy. It wasn't my fault. I was a kid. And I, and I had to let go of that self-contempt yet again. I've had to do that time and time again over my uh, you know, seven, eight years of recovery now. And I have to go back and revisit that and let go of that contempt um, and that resentment toward that little boy. He didn't do anything wrong. And I have to keep reminding myself of that. And I keep inviting Christ into that. That's a powerful connection that you're talking about, right? That when we see that with others, right? It's it's the content of ourselves. And the and the thought that came to me, kind of reading between the lines here with our friend here, is uh, that Brene Brown talks about it, Power of Vulnerability, her original audio work, well worth listening to. She says the blame is just the discharge of pain, right? And so resentment's a way to do that, right? Because to your point, right, whatever he doesn't, whatever he's struggling with with himself, if it's not his failure, if it's his parents' failure, the culture's failure, if he can, if he can put that on everyone else, 
then then he doesn't have to deal with the pain himself. So it's not it's not about like that he's done something wrong yeah, it's not or they've fault. done something. It's not a fault thing. Yeah. But it's like if he can if he can if he can put it on someone else, then like he doesn't have to control it. He doesn't it. have to face it. He doesn't have to face it because facing it's so scary. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the fear, right? I mean that's why we're saying you have to be unafraid to to take things to Christ. If it wasn't fearful to do that then we wouldn't use that as a theme. Everyone would just be doing it, <laughs> right? But because there's these themes that you talked about that he he isn't enough. I had this happen. I mean, I guess this is exercise two. Christy labeled exercise one. I guess our second suggestion would be to kind of take this type of personal inventory. So I had this happen this morning. Getting ready for church. I'm behind on some things. I've got a lot going on in my life right now. And I'm not sure that I'm enough. Like him, I need to check the boxes so that I know that I earned it because I get my validation from external sources. Still do, even though I know it's the wrong thing to do. I still struggle with that mightily. And Kayla brings up a couple things this morning and um, she's totally being nice about it. She's not. And I just, the resentment washes over me and I'm resentful. And and because I know what we're talking about, I said, this isn't about Kayla. This isn't about the circumstance. This is about something internally with me that's painful. And right there, there's fear that I feel like I'm not enough. And so I just turned, turned to Kayla and we were sitting at church and I'm like, you know, I should, I, I was texting one of my brothers. I was making it, you know, known. And I said, this is what I'm struggling with today. I feel like I'm not enough. And Kayla was almost like, I, I'm not sure how this quite adds together, but then, you know, she, you know, leaned over to me and she's like, no, you are enough. Right. And then I, I was able to, you know, in church, I don't know what anyone was saying, but I, good building to be praying in, I guess, was able to have a little bit of a moment with God, like help me surrender this to you. Help me. Cause that's one part I think our friend here is missing. He cannot earn recovery. He cannot do enough. And what other people do or do not are not going to change whether or not you have recovery. Friend, anonymous question. So even if your church community never plugs into you, your parents never change and continue to damage you the way that they've damaged you, and your friends are always jerks. Those factors are not controlling whether or not you can recover, not only from sexual addiction, which we know is the symptom of your depression and your loneliness. God is the one who's going to heal that gap, no matter what any of those other places in your life are doing, right? And, you know, to your point, the family may never be safe. The friends may never be safe. The, the church community may never be safe. But God will bring you into a community if you will open up to Him, if to His his next point, his fear, he talks about my biggest fear about being honest and completely open about my addiction recovery is that I risk getting hurt more, even more by people around me. And that is, that is secrecy is the lifeblood of addiction. Well, we've talked about this before. I'll remember what I'm going to say. Christy has something good. Okay, go Christy. Well, I just, I just wanted to hop in with the thought that the, <clears throat> the hopeful thought that the tide may be turning with early return missionaries and the stigma around that. I'm involved with a group on Facebook. James and Christy have a missionary out. We Just do. they're we in do. the missionary game right now. We yeah, are, we are. We're familiar with that. So this group of missionary moms, there are 
loads and loads of mothers out there whose sons and daughters have returned early due to various, all kinds of reasons. Some come home to repent more fully of things that they didn't fully disclose. Some come home because of depression or anxiety. Some come home because of physical injuries or disabilities that happened while out in the field. And the response is becoming more and more accepting and loving. And I have hope for you that even if right now, or even if in the past, your friends and the people around you have not been great, I feel like that is changing. I feel like you will find more and more people who have been where you have been or have a brother or a sister or a son or a daughter who um, they've been in that place. So I just, I wanted to offer that. I, I think it's I think it's changing, yeah. and I would say um, let go of the fear about being honest about your recovery. Um, as you do that, God may introduce you to a whole new community that you don't even know right now. I know that He has done that for me as I've moved through recovery. My community has changed and completely. Well, and before you before you drop the hope train on him right now, okay, which go. is where we want to end. Yeah. The, the last thing I want to put in here is I, I hope that one thing we've always hoped, right, with the, with the podcast and, and why I started it not as a recovered period, years of sobriety person, is other men sharing who have been in the path to me is like such a golden deal. So just, just take this with that grain of salt. James has been in recovery for a long time. I've been in, I'm older than you because you said you're 20. Some assume I've also struggled with it my whole life. Some assume I'm further down the path for you purely based that I'm a decade older, but talking to a lot of different men and what I've come to realize. And you, I mean, anyone who's listened to us long enough knows while the heart's about to come up at the end of this and that you need to come on the retreat friend who's on here, right? Come and experience. You want acceptance and brotherhood. We'll see you there. Um, right. Go, we'll put that on the resource page, but, um, you have community around you no matter what. So the idea that you're alone, you're never truly alone. The adversary is working on you. And so there's not like I have community, I don't have community. Like having no community is not an option. You are going to have influences around you, period. It's just which one. So that at least helps me with the fear because if I feel like there's this neutral Right. If I'm like, whoa, it's there's a storm out there. I'm just not going to go outside. Right. And there's this place I think that's neutral. I can hide. That helps me live my life by fear. But when I have the realization that it's like you're already outside, you're just choosing which way you're running. Right. Like then I'm like, oh, it's kind of like not an option. You know, I've got to. And so there, there's no there's no middle ground. Right. You know, the adversary is going to continue to put pornography and all these other influences to build to your loneliness. He's going to build you the lonely community unless you let go of some of that fear. You having fear is going to drive the wrong community. Right. No, I'll let, keep, I'll let James keep talking about the right community. <laughs> yeah, there's no. a whole group for early return missionaries. I know on Facebook, um, there are books being written about it. Get dialed into that, maybe, if, if that's a big shame trigger for you. I think maybe um, getting together with other missionaries who have had the same experiences would be huge. Um, I, I've built community through—so I actually built community through 
sharing. So this, he talks about my fear about being honest is that he'll get hurt by the people around me. So I hid this. Let's, I hid this from my very closest friend for like 15 years. Hid what? Your addiction? My addiction. Um, And in turn, your depression. Yeah. Yeah. And all the other things. Right. Um, And then finally, one day I just, outed with it as I'm further along in the recovery process. I was just like, Hey man, I want to just share you where I, you know, come up with some of my story. And turns out he's been struggling with the same thing the whole time. And I just grieve that for 15 years, we fought alone when my best friend and I could have fought together and had each other. Um, and so, again, me by, by me letting go of some of that fear to just share where I'm at in my recovery story, all you're really sharing is, hey, everybody, I'm not perfect, and Christ is working on me to heal me. I'm a repenter. I'm a sinner. And guess where Jesus goes? He goes to the sinners, the publicans and sinners. That's the houses he feeds in. And so you will, you will be a light to those around you who are struggling with pornography and are struggling with addiction and anxiety and depression, as you say, Hey, I'm struggling with this. And you start to be a little vulnerable about this. And, you know, obviously you want to kind of do this in some safer places. You know, you might not want to go ahead and throw that up on the open mic Sunday, you know, the first Sunday of the month, but in maybe in a smaller circle with a closer friend or, you know, and you can start to figure that out. Maybe if you're doing some 12 step meetings or um, if you're going to therapy or if you come up to boot camp, plug, 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 plug. (laughs) These are all places and spaces that God can help connect your heart to other men. SA lifeline is if I were to pick a 12 step, that personally is my favorite one. Um, that's here in Utah, but they also do phone meetings. If you're not in Utah, right? The LDS Church has one. There's also just straight SA. So there's a lot of options there. You can find some men who, you just know going to those meetings, these are some men who are a little bit more open, um, uh, you know, in, in church. But what I would tell you is bring it back to God. I don't know if you're saying this prayer already or not, but I would pray to know where that safe place is and that safe people get put in your life. So when I started recovery, I was like, I have some recovery friends. I have some real friends. I have some work friends. I have some acquaintances. I have like word people. I have all these different friends. And I just felt inspired to be like, God, I'm, I'm having one friend, men who are real, who I can connect with. And I still have friends at church and they're men who are real that I can connect with. And then I have real friends and I have recovery friends, but we're all connected on this level. It's like, God, there's a floodgate. And to be honest, there are so many men who are so real and so open. I don't even have time to be friends with all these people. Not because I'm like popular and cool because God is like, oh, you want some men in your life around you? You want some community? I'm a loving God. Turns on the faucet, turns on the fire hose. And so to me, I don't know where you're going to find your community. I don't. It's different for everyone. Um, But if you pray for a safe place and for safe people and to know when that is, I think that is a prayer that God can answer. Instead of telling him, hey, God, bishops are supposed to be good. I'm going to go meet with my bishop and this dude better freaking get it or I'm going to leave the church. Tough prayer for God to answer, right? That bishop's already in place. He may or may not be the safe place for you. But if you say, hey, God, help me to know 
whether I stay in my home ward or go to a singles ward or, you know, help me find that safe place. One of your friends might all of a sudden call you back. Hey, dude, you want to go to lunch? And it's like, oh, there you go. You know? So that would be my advice. Pray for that safe place. There's some of the resources. Anything else, Christy? Maybe we should give Christy the final word. Christy needs to, she's got to drop some knowledge on us here. Okay, we're going to Christy. We'll give James the final word. I I do want to just really make sure that you address the anxiety and depression um, piece of this puzzle and that you keep working with your therapist to um, find ways to alleviate the anxiety and the depression that's going on in your life. We have found, James and I have found the book Spontaneous Happiness by uh, Dr. Andrew Wheel. Super helpful. I don't know if you're a reader, but that's a really good book that had a lot of awesome tips for anxiety and depression. Um, Everything Ever Written by Brene Brown is fantastic. Start with The Power of Vulnerability. All of her other works are based on that one. And she talks about it. I want to address that. Resent, working through resentment is, um, it's a process and it takes a ton of work and it may get worse before it gets better, but to just keep working. And resentment is a swirling mix of, you've got resentment over what happened in the past, which leads to anger over the consequences of what happened in the past. So you've got resentment over the past, anger over what's happening now in the present, and fear over what might happen in the future. And hurt. And hurt. So I want to leave you with the thought that the antidote to fear is faith. And the antidote to anger is love. And the cure for resentment would be acceptance for what happened in the past. And that's a long road. An acceptance you will only get from God. Right. And a... And a surrender that that the past is going to stay the past. It's not going to change. Like that quote that James gave us. It's fantastic. Um, We love you. We prayed for you right before this podcast. And And we'll keep praying for you. Absolutely. Before I give James the final word, the one last thing I'm going to just jump in here. So this is totally, you can tune me out if you want. This is the gospel according to Steve. Um, And James brought it up. James wrote it down and showed it to me. And I'm like, Totally. So if you don't know what trauma is, if that's new to you, you should look that up. There's a ton of books on it. Send us another email. We'll make recommendations of stuff. Um, A lot of times the depression and the anxiety and and the sexual addiction too, right? The pornography stuff um, comes from some real damage that may have happened. And the reason trauma is an issue is you get stuck with trauma. So there might have been something that happened in your past and you can't get past it. So it keeps following you around. So a super quick example would be you're a young child and your dad always yelled and screamed, yelled at your mom, yelled and screamed and whatever. And so that you, you as a five-year-old can't process that type of trauma of a grown man screaming in your face all the time. To my point of having a hard time with that eight to 10-year-old self, that was when a significant trauma happened in my life. And so I have to keep going back to that because I find myself getting stuck there again. Right. And so you and I are walking down the street. My dad yelled at me forever all the time when it's not real. I'm just giving an analogy happened. Right. And so we're, we're going down the street or we both work at the same place and our boss comes in and rips us a new one. I just yells at us off. 
James can walk away because he doesn't have trauma around that and be like, man, what a jerk boss, whatever, he's wrong, and go back to his desk, where I freak out and then go see a prostitute and then wonder, well, why did that happen? Because that's a real trauma trigger for me. So just look for some of that stuff in your own story, right? Like if there's some stuff you're really stuck around and, and you keep coming back to this, right? There could probably be some trauma there. So, and we, and we can put a book on our list and there, there's some good ones, but James, is there hope? Give him the final word. Can you heal resentment? Is it possible? Yes, absolutely. There is, really? there is real hope in letting go of resentment. No, but be, be honest. Like, you, <laughs> no, but I'm serious. You've struggled with depression. Like, yeah. this is no just like, dude, hope for everyone, Jesus. Like, you yeah. have had depression in your life. Like, take you out, crippling. You've also had addiction, right? Yeah. You've had resentment all over the place and many of the same facets that this yeah. guy has. Like, entering, opening to Christ, like, really, is your life different? Absolutely, 100% it is different. Um, the Savior can reach in and change your life if you'll let him in and trust him. He is a good father, and it's so hard to believe that right now. Um, it's, okay if you're you're it's okay if you're mad at him. You can be yeah. mad at God. I, yeah, I, was, I, had a, yeah, I had a ton of resentment toward God, too. Um, and it's so scary because to believe that he's actually a good God and that he wants to look after you and take care of you. Um, your past has told you that he's not safe. You have come to believe that he's not safe based on things you've experienced and you've painted him to be somebody that he's not. And what it leaves you with is completely lonely and in despair. And I would, I just want to let you know that God loves you no matter what, where you're at right now, in your darkest moment, in your darkest hour, in your most rebellious moment, in your most angry moment, in your most filthy place, he loves you right then, right there, and can take you and heal you. Um, let him take you on that journey. Invite him in, and he will start to introduce you to who his to, to who he is, what his heart is like, what his true character and nature is like. Come to boot camp and we can help you there too. He will introduce you to some community, good men that will understand you and listen to you with, with com- love and compassion. Um, I don't believe it was a mistake that you were led to this podcast. You will find good community around you as you let go of your fear, share your story, own where you're at and start to build a community, a safe community of men that will love you. Um, I just know that God has completely changed my life. 180. That's it. And James's life is not perfect. No. He has real problems still, but that centeredness, um, you can have peace in your life, brother. Powerful James, way powerful. So we will see you at the Warrior Heart Retreat, our anonymous question listener. And again, I want it, we'll put all these resources, go to the website. If you look at, so all the resources we named throughout this, we'll gather them together. 
put them on the website. Um, Can I throw one more resource out there? Yes. There's a song called Atlas Three. I'm just gonna, we're going to put the link on to the YouTube video. Yes. that's it. It's for Steve. It's for you, and anybody else out there that thinks they have to earn it. Ab- absolutely. Um, we hope that we've answered your question and that this has been helpful. Um, feel free to send us another question. You know, email us again if it, if it wasn't. Um, and also, I want you to know there's a ton of people who have questions around this, just like you. So you may not know it, but you have just helped a ton of people who will listen to this who are like, "Dude, that guy's right on. That is my life experience." So I just want to commend you for your courage to reach out like this. Um, we don't need to tell you how to be unafraid and unashamed. You have just done it by sending this to us. So keep doing what you're doing. Um, you are awesome. And to anyone else listening, uh, there's no dumb question, whatever experience you're having, we've all had to reach out, take the courage. Um, just amazing. So I want to give you mad props for that again. Um, all the podcast things we're supposed to say, we uh, definitely invite you to subscribe uh, if you're enjoying this and, and men's stories of recovery. And the um, audio is only going to get better from here. Yeah, Jason's bringing it home. So we'll actually, you won't cringe listening to this from that perspective um but give us a like follow us on social media um leave a comment you know on any of our uh very wherever you're listening spotify as he is or anywhere else uh this is our website if you have a question comment send us an email um and until next time say unashamed and unafraid Mm -hmm.